Welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. This podcast is for teachers and parents who want to gain knowledge, perspective, and inspiration in the areas of literacy education and special education. Episode topics tend to focus on dyslexia, ADHD, literacy education, and mindful teaching. This podcast was created to build awareness for our nonprofit, Mindful Literacy Columbus. Check out the show notes to learn more and to get involved. Okay, good morning, Hannah. Good morning. I'm really excited uh, to be talking with you. Um, You approached me to help out with your senior project, so I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah. So my senior year project, the assignment, as you will, was to focus on an issue or a cause that you have noticed in your internship or in your future career and try to find um, either like a resolution or support. So specifically, since I am an early ed major and I'm going to be a teacher, you know, in the next few months, um, something I've noticed is there's been a lot of behavior changes and a, a maturity gap really between the grades post-COVID. So I created a website um, that involved resources for parents and educators to look through to kind of help this gap that we are seeing, not just in the classroom, but then also at home, but also to explain what we're noticing in classrooms and why it's an issue and also why it's happening and try to see if there's a way for us to help the students so then they're not more far behind emotionally, behaviorally, academically as well. Yeah, beautifully said. Well, great. So this is kind of like a reverse interview. (laughs) I'm not taking the lead. You're interviewing me. So you can go ahead and dive right in whenever you're ready. Awesome. So, I mean, you've been around the block with behaviors and with students and everything. And so in your opinion, have you seen a difference with behaviors? Oh, totally. Um, And, you know, you know, I'm not a classroom teacher anymore, Uh but I do go into schools and see kids in classrooms and I see um, the kids in the kids who I work with and my own children and their peers. And for sure, there's a difference. Um, You know, we could even talk about specific examples of, you know, when different schools decided to go mask optional, there's this whole like emotional, social ramifications for that, even for small kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something that you know, as adults were navigating for the first time, little brains had to navigate for the first time too. And I think that's pretty remarkable in terms of development and kids making personal choices or kids sticking to choices families made for them. Um, So I saw, I've seen a lot of anxiety type behaviors cropping up, whether it's related to COVID in particular or just different social and academic anxieties. Oh, definitely. I mean, I student taught in kindergarten this past fall, so masks were still required, but things were starting to kind of lighten up. Um, And the kindergartners at five and six years old were, I don't want to say okay, but very content with wearing the masks and knew on a basic level of 
why they had to wear masks. And um, the district I was in, towards the end of my time, they were talking about lifting the mask mandate, um, at least like just for the elementary school age. And we had some five-year, five-year-olds and six-year-olds kind of freaking out about, I don't want to get sick. Like, I don't want to get my parents sick. And it really made me reflective. Okay. Like this is, this is what they've seen and like what they've dealt with, like while and adapting to while like the adults are trying to adapt to it. And it was creating an anxiety for those who knew like the severity of it and how like serious it was. And you see the second graders or third graders who had been in school previously before COVID who aren't really understanding why they have to wear masks. And then the cute little kindergartners are like, this is what I have to do. Like, this is how I need to be safe. And now you're telling me I can't wear a mask. Like, well, like, am I not going to be safe anymore? Am I not keeping my parents safe? And it was just very different and interesting to see how their little minds were trying to wrap around everything that is happening. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the term cognitive flexibility is definitely in play here. And it's something that um, something that we have to practice, right? And you see this a lot in kids. If you've ever worked with a kid who's on the autism spectrum disorder, we work a lot with them on having cognitive flexibility. And also, as people age and get older, we have to work on our cognitive flexibility. Right. <laughs> um, I think when the pandemic first started and we knew nothing about it and it was very, it was a very um, scary moment mm-hmm. in time. Um, I feel like when the, when kids were so young still or whatever age they were, we mm-hmm. were like, we have to wear masks to stay safe. Right. right. And I feel like that was ingrained in them for years. And now we're kind of like, oh, it's okay now. So it's almost to be expected that they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think of it like going off a diving board for the first time. Mm -hmm. You know how tentative one is. I don't know that I've ever seen a child just like rip and run off a diving board for the first time. They're usually like baby step, baby step big toe off, mm-hmm. you know, lots of encouragement. It's okay. I'm here. You can do it. I've got you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that way a lot, actually going into the grocery store with my 10 year old. We'll be halfway from the parking lot. And she's like, oh, I have to go back to the car. I forgot my mask. Right. No, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. No, no, no. I have to go. Okay. If that's what you need right now. Yes. <laughs> right. I didn't go back. Right. And with that said, I really liked that analogy. You're also seeing it with students going back to school too, to where specifically the older grades who already experienced maybe like one year or two years of like a pre-COVID classroom, and then just pretty much ripping off the band-aid saying, hey, we're going back in school after they were online. It's been a lot more reassurance of okay, like we're okay. Like also this is how we act in the classroom. Like it is okay to be in school. Like, yes, we are not at home anymore, but I am, I'm not your parent or I'm not your guardian or your person at home, but I am also here to support you. And I'm also, you're an adult for, to help you. Like I'm like, yes, I'm still a stranger to you, but it's okay 
for us to like have a conversation. It's okay for me to try to help you, even though we're not in a home setting. Mm. And and I'm going to talk a lot about kindergarten. I've got a lot of experience in kindergarten. Yeah, um, no, I'm just kind of, I'm just like all in listening to you because I never, you know, I didn't, I think I saw some meme where it was like basically kids, basic, I think it was like third grade and lo- and younger had, had never had a normal school year. So yes. I'm just kind of putting myself in this in the shoes of like a five-year-old who had maybe never been to preschool. Yes. And yeah. So keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was exactly it. I mean, in a, a typical, I mean, a, a pre-COVID world, you'll have the kindergartners that have never been to preschool, never been to pre-K or daycare or anything. But um, this year in particular, it was, we had to build a lot more stamina for the kids and teach that and spend even more time of how do we actually school over getting like straight into um, the academics. And my friend, she's a student teaching in second grade, and she had to do the exact same thing that we were doing in kindergarten of reinforcing routines. And this is what we do in school. This is how we school. These are acceptable and not acceptable behaviors. And a lot of these kids are getting overwhelmed because by second grade, your expectations are different than a kindergartner. Well, they're still in the mindset of like, I'm in kindergarten. I've never done school before. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And funny enough, you're seeing these parents too, who are like, my kid's never been in school. I don't know like what responsibilities they should have or not have. Like, and it's really made me reflect on how, specific grade levels are and how teachers help out parents in the maturity of their child. You know, each year, each grade, there's different responsibility levels. There's different, um, even just language that you use towards the grades that parents kind of will take off on. And without like having the kids in school, it really, it showed to me that a lot of parents don't know, or I'm trying to phrase this, like they'll end up babying their child because they don't know where their child should be like maturity wise in like first or second grade. And it's like, okay, now we need to help not just a student who is like, I don't know what's happening. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, I'm in school and now I'm supposed to be here for eight hours a day. But then also the parents of like, okay, these are some things that they're able to tackle. These are some responsibilities they can handle. These are some tasks like they're able to handle or like they're just too young to still do this still. Yeah, so are you thinking, can you give me some examples of the tasks and kind of independence things that you're, that are coming to mind? Yeah, Um, the first, the thing I'm thinking about the most is just classroom jobs to where Mm -hmm. a kindergartner, you... The classroom jobs are very different to where they're not help me um, pass out the papers, like read the name and pass out the papers, or can you help me um, put the chairs away? But the classroom jobs are more, can you be the line leader? Like, can you help um, make sure like the floor is cleaned after dismissal to where second graders, the classroom jobs 
are more independent of, okay, here, the stack of papers, can you please pass them out to the, to the appropriate peers? Um, or, all right, you're going to be my helper. You're going to help me erase the board. You're going to help me um, sharpen the pencils. And it's a lot more independent to where a kindergartner, they're still learning that independence and the classroom jobs are more like an us thing and a more team to where second grader and above, it's more independent. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just reflecting on, you know, kind of the causes and conditions of that in the home setting for so many years. And I think it's really important to remember and and really acknowledge that COVID-19 was a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. you know, for everyone, including parents. And yeah. um, I'm thinking of, you know, parents in various different situations you know, some people had to work from home while their kids were at home trying to navigate how to learn online at the same time, right? And, right. and so we were basically in survival mode for several years. And if you didn't have those, if you don't have the background knowledge of um, early childhood mm-hmm. development right. or middle childhood development, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or adolescent childhood development, it was very tricky. And at the same time, I think the adults' nervous systems were on the fritz just as much. Right. Right. Yes. So it is a really unique situation that we as educators are in right now and trying to navigate the, you know, as we're kind of seeing the light at the end of this tunnel, almost post-COVID. Is there ever going to be a post-COVID? I don't know. Right. Who knows? <laughs> I've been calling it post-COVID for the sense of the project, but right. I don't even, who knows if there really is a post-COVID. Um, and you bring up a good point about like how it was traumatic for literally everybody trying to experience it and try to adapt. And now here we are trying to readapt again of, okay, we can't really go, like, we're not really going to go back to our pre-COVID era, but how are we going to adapt to a new normal? Like we've been doing this for so long. We've been kind of used to everything going on with COVID. Now what are we going to (laughs) do? You know, and as educators, it's, and you're probably experiencing it as parents too. It's like you're, now it's, okay, now we have to adapt to the younger generation because it was traumatic for us. It is traumatic for them. If this is a different normal for literally all of us, like how we, how are we going to adapt our expectations to help support them instead of just pounding them with expectations that we are used to? Yeah. I want to pause on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's (laughs) such a good statement because I even think pre COVID, um, you know, if you think about the implementation of the Common Core Standards, so academically speaking, mm-hmm. um, it, the whole idea behind it was great. You know, like everyone should have the same expectations, the same high expectations. Mm-hmm. But even pre-COVID, we had tons and, you know, the national data support this in the fact that in fourth graders, eighth graders, we, we have a very 
we have less than 50% of kids at a proficient level based mm-hmm. on our common core standards or whatever your state calls them. Right. Usually it's still based on the common core, if you didn't know. Um, <laughs> and so because we had kids who were dealing with trauma on a daily basis and we mm-hmm. had parents who were dealing with trauma on a daily basis. And so that whole notion of um, uh, the hierarchy of needs, if that is not being taken care of and you are constantly in survival mode, of course you're having problems learning what somebody who is not Mm -hmm. going through trauma is learning. Of course you are. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So so it's almost like, uh, in my mind, it's like this gap has grown larger for kids. The academic achievement gap is now larger and mm-hmm. there's more kids in the gap. Right. Which I think to your point as a, as a, you know, brand new teacher who's about to graduate, like as somebody with a really fresh perspective, like it's making me tear up to say, guys, like, let's look at how we, our antecedent is affecting the kids behavior. Right. And that's kind of, you know, Hannah, how I met you in, in our behavior class. But um, yeah, so I always like, if the kids are not responding how you expect them to, then the grownups have to adjust, adapt. <laughs> yes. And I'm not saying like the expectations need to be lowered right. permanently, but you do like, you know, as a teacher, scaffolding is all about meeting the kids where they are and then gently bringing them up to where you would like them to be. Right. Yes. Years and years and years. And that is okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And that made me think of like the raising of the expectations, like eventually, but like kind of meeting where they're at now. Um, Over the summer, I was a daycare, like summer camp counselor. And I worked mostly with the um, students who were just finished kindergarten, but going into first grade. But we also did a lot of playtime with um, the kid, the students who were from first grade going into second grade, second grade into third grade. And we kind of stayed in our own little like pod. Um, And the workers who were working with like the third grade students, they were like, what the heck? Like these kids are acting like your kindergartners. Like what? Like I'm not doing what I typically do. And to where I had to kind of had to tell them like, yes, but also maybe instead of getting irritated and frustrated and annoyed with them, meet them on their level. If they're having a hard time doing X, Y, and Z, then okay, then maybe we should meet them in that same level. Like, yes, it's a summer camp, but also they're here with us for 40 hours a week <laughs> for multiple weeks throughout the summer. Like it's no use to, for them for you to be frustrated and annoyed because they're nine years old, but still socializing like a kindergartner, but also it's no help for you to be getting annoyed and frustrated because they're just not there yet. So then towards the end of the summer, we spend a lot more time interacting with like the second grader and the third grader age group because they played beautifully together because they were kind of on I don't want to say the same level, but kind of on a similar playing field. And it took the coworker, my coworker to kind of take a step back of like, oh, um, okay, <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe I should have changed some things or like just changed my mindset of, okay, like these guys, like they're not, 
where they typically are. So now how do I change to make sure that they're still happy? Like they're still growing. They're still having a fun time. Um, my boss used to say, as long as there's laughter and noise and I don't care what's happening, like as long as they're happy to be here, then like whatever, anything goes. Um, and just to kind of have them be able to interact with peers that they were on the same mindset with, if that makes sense. Like they were on the same playing field and mindset of like of the their younger peers. Yeah. So I think a couple of important points when we talked about kind of adjusting our expectations of kids. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is um, adjusting our perspective, our own yes. perspective to say, okay, at one, on a cellular level, we have to stabilize their nervous system. And then we need to just, we need to get in there and maybe it is not the same as it would have been a couple of years ago, but Mm -hmm. there needs to be more engagement, I think, and probably more Mm hands-on modeling, mediating, you know, with social interactions and things like that. Um, which again, to your point, is like maybe not what a typical second grader mm-hmm. looked like in 2019, but that's right. what it looks like in 2022. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And also just meeting the needs that they're at currently because, I mean, now more than never, they're all on different playing fields. Mm-hmm. They all had different home situations during COVID. They all had different um adults at home doing different things, trying to handle things. And like the adults are handling the traumatic experience in their own way. So now it's, I think personally, it's now more than ever more important to try to have the relationships with the students to try to help see, okay, where are you coming from? Like, what is, how did COVID specifically affect you and your family? And how can I help support you? Do you need more independence or do you need more peer support? Do you need more adult interaction or more student interaction? Like how can I help you, you know, grow the best? Because if you were at home extremely independent, then okay, then let's try some more peer interaction. Or if you had some siblings and you had that peer interaction, okay, then maybe let's try to gain some more independence. Um, or if you weren't really interacting with adults, okay, let's interact more. <laughs> let's like try to help this. <laughs> or if you had a lot of adult interaction, okay, let's try to have a conversation with someone your own age and like, let's see how this goes and just kind of see and play out and feel, okay, where is everyone at <laughs> and how can I help you? So then you guys are all getting the best <laughs> um school experience as possible right now. Oh, so you want to individualize the approach? No, weird. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I love it. Yeah. I think, um, and either, and whatever, um, route is right in that particular moment in time for that particular person requires the grown up to be ever present, Mm -hmm. present all the time like really aware, spidey senses are on. Oh, yes. <laughs> you get so much data from kids um, 
when they're in 3D versus on the screen, right? And yeah. you can just tell by their facial expression, the slightest movement of an eyebrow, their vibe, you know? And so I think as a service provider, and I think teachers are in service, right, yeah. to whoever they're working with, we have to be so aware of exactly what the person in front of us needs in that moment in time and know that it's on a pendulum. Yes. And that, and especially if we think of ourselves moving on a pendulum all the time, then when things go one way, like if COVID comes back in the fall and we have to go back to masks and we have to do whatever it takes, mm -hmm. oh, that's okay. We can adjust and adapt. And then it might swing back the other way and say, okay, now we're going no masks. So if we can teach that cognitive flexibility, um, the emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. practicing emotional intelligence with our kids, um, everything's going to be okay. Right. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. And I do think there is a lot of a lot of positivity that came out of COVID as well for the for students because I think it showed them or maybe it's not so positive. Um just how serious like the world can be and how we all are still trying to figure things out on our own as well and kind of how to be flexible and how some things can change overnight. Some things can change um, within time and how to have a different outlook on change. And I think at such a young age, them experiencing the change, but then also seeing their adults experience the change is going to help them with whatever happens next. I feel like they're going to be a generation that if there's a change, they're going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Like we can adapt to this. Like we're flexible. Like this happened before. We're like, no big deal. We've got this. Like we can handle this. Um, so I'm excited to see how their generation and like, will continue going on through school and like be adults with having this experience. And because I mean, their viewpoint is so much different than adults viewpoint on everything and just kind of see where, what they're going to do. And what their outlook is going to be having experienced all of this without even knowing they were experiencing it. Absolutely. Hannah, you have the heart of an educator, and I'm so excited to see you in the field shaping these minds and hearts. So congratulations on your upcoming graduation, and thank you so much for including me in this conversation. Well, thank you. I, it's been a pleasure talking with you and thank you for allowing me to do this. <laughs>